Hey, so I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you're an artist yourself and you want some insider tips, insights, and general advice from artists you respect. One aspect of the business we sometimes discuss on Best Advice is rollout strategies. When you're dropping new music, you want to give it the best chance of getting heard. It's all about reaching the right listeners at the right time. That's why our team at Spotify for Artists built Marquee. Marquee is a marketing tool for turning listeners into bigger fans of your new music. With Marquee, you can send full screen recommendations of your latest album, EP, or single to the right fans as soon as they open the app. Listeners who see your Marquee are twice as likely to save your tracks, making it a better way to develop your audience than trying to drive streams from social media. To find out more, go to artists.spotify.com slash marquee. Welcome to The Payoff. I'm Antonia Cerejido. And I'm Chris Duffy. The Payoff is your audio companion to all of Mike's business and personal finance coverage, which you can find at mike.com slash payoff. So real talk, I almost don't even want to say what we're talking about on this episode. That's how much I hate it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But like Ben Franklin said, there are only two certainties in life, and this is not exactly the show where we're going to talk about death. So you guessed it, uh, taxes. Okay, so <laughs> look, taxes are super important. They pay for, you know, basically everything that we use. Yep. When you're paying your state and federal taxes, you're contributing to roads, schools, hospitals, you know, all the important things. But we're not going to try and convince you that paying taxes is fun. Because it isn't. But we all have to do it. In this episode, we're going to focus on paying taxes themselves, how difficult paying them can be, how to make it easier, and what might be changing in the way taxes work. Yeah, and we're going to dig into that first one, the difficulty of paying taxes, in our very first segment, which we call, Oh No! Because that's how both of us normally feel when we have to talk about money, especially when it means we're going to be paying money. Putting together a tax return? Oh no! Wondering if you're paying too much? Oh no! Worrying about getting audited? Oh no! (laughs) Yep, and this is a very special edition of Oh No! Because we are going to investigate a mystery. Ooh, what kind of mystery are we investigating? A tax mystery. Oh, yes. Everyone's <laughs> favorite kind of mystery, the tax mystery. Um, I won't lie, though. I'm actually intrigued. You should be. It's my tax mystery, and it's actually a huge stressor in my life. So thank you, The Payoff, for continuing to help me. Wow. Well, it sounds like it's probably going to be pretty important then. Let's see what we can do. And after we've talked through Antonio's tax woes, we're going to move on to our big interview for this episode. And who better to talk to this time of year than an accountant? That's right. We're going to get tax tips and tricks, plus expert info on all the things you can do to maximize any refund, because we are all about helping you get that paper. And if by paper you mean money, I am in. Then in our final segment, The Bottom Line, we'll bring back our payoff reporter, James Denon, to walk us through some changes that might be coming to the way taxes work if President Trump's proposed tax reforms become a reality. You'll definitely want to stick around for that. Stay tuned. Okay, here we go with our opening segment where we get over our worries and confusion about something in the world of money. You know, the kind of financial stuff that usually makes you go, oh, oh no! no! So, Antonia, you said you have some sort of tax mystery. What does that even mean? Yeah, so the federal government owes me $1,613. Wow, not to be precise <laughs> or anything. And it's really a mystery why I have not seen this money. And basically what happened was this. I had done consulting work. Okay. Which made me feel really cool. Yeah. Last year. And I was like, you know what? I'd done TurboTax the year before and it was super simple, but why don't I try going with an accountant? 
and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. My mom hooked me up with the accountant that you, she used to have when she lived in New York. I was very confused yeah. by like what uh, it was just like I had no idea what she wanted from me. The whole thing was kind of confusing. It was like all really down to the last minute, which was my bad. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Then she never responded whether she sent them out or not. Okay. So that was really stressful. And then so I, you didn't know if your taxes even got filed. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So I called the accounting firm and a person who was not the woman who filed my taxes told me to not to worry that they were filed. Okay. But I never paid them. Like, they never charged me anything. Hmm. So it was, like, very mysterious. Anyway. And all this stuff with taxes, it's like you never know if you're doing it right or wrong or if you're being scammed or if you're somehow going to get billed or something. I was Yeah, I was super stressed about the whole thing. Anyway, a month later, I got my New York tax return. Okay. So I was like, all right, they were probably filed. So you got your tax refund, you mean? But only my New York state. Okay, so you get a check back that's like, here's all the money we owe you. But it was like... A small amount of money that sure. the, the state refunded me. They had sent me my, like, what my return document looked like. Okay. But I just didn't know if it had been sent. It also had the wrong address on it. Fast forward five months, nothing. I go, there's actually a really helpful website. If you Google get refund status, it'll take you to an IRS website that you put in your social security number and how much you expect to get in return. And it'll tell you the status. Okay. And for months, I was getting, we're still processing it. But, like, up until October. Yeah. And so I started to get really worried. I was like, what's happening here? Nobody from the accounting firm was getting back to me. Okay. I sent her an email being like, this is what the IRS is telling me. You haven't spoken to me. I don't know what's going on. One day, I was like, I'm going to resolve this. Yeah. So I call up the IRS, and everyone in my office was like, you're an idiot. The IRS is never going to speak to you. And I yeah. was like, oh, the IRS will speak to me. <laughs> So I was literally on the phone for hours. I finally get on the phone with someone and they're like, oh, we have to confirm your identity. Wait, so you did actually get through. Yes. You talked to the IRS. I talked to the IRS. The federal government picks up the phone. I know. And I was like pointing at everyone in the office like, see, who's laughing now? Turns out the person who should be laughing is everyone else. Because despite taking this test where I had to tell them like what zip codes I did live in. Oh, yeah. Like, who do I owe money to, which is the federal government because of student loans, like all this stuff. And they were like, all right, word. You're a real person. I was like, cool. I knew that, but now you do too. <laughs> and they were like, we are going to send you the refund in a month. If you don't get hear anything, call this number. Okay. And So I, that sounds good. Yeah. So I was like, great. I'm going to get this refund. I'm going to get all my money. It's going to be amazing. I never get the refund. Never came through. Never came through. So I call the number that they gave me, and it's just like a standard hotline. And this time, I like can't infiltrate the system. I cannot figure out how to talk to a real person because you have to be really insistent. It's like... Person, person. And the robot is real like, person. I am a real person. Yeah, for like eight hours. And they'll hang up on you. And you have to figure out the ways in which they won't hang up on you. Ooh. And I'd already like taken out an entire day of my life doing this. And I was just like, I can't do this again right now. Yeah. So I'd never got the refund. And also, now when I go to check my refund status, it like is like, we don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Which is different. And thank God I took a screenshot of the of what they gave me before, which is still processing. Now they're like, we don't know. So this is a mystery because the IRS just decided one day, like, you've had enough time. I guess. This money is gone. I don't really understand what's happening. But so it's really frustrating because this past weekend, I thought I was being really ahead of the curb. And I did it with TurboTax. I don't trust people anymore. Uh Uh-huh. And I'd filed all my taxes. I was like, this is amazing. All is well. But now they're asking, and this is a new thing, so we can ask the accountant about this. You have to have your adjusted gross income number from the year before. 
Okay. And I, I put in what was put in the refund that was sent to me, the copy from the accounting firm. And they said that my returns were rejected. Rejected? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So I haven't even gone back to TurboTax because I kind of want to just talk to somebody about what happened. This and is then, crazy. <laughs> I know. It's also like I can't. If this doesn't happen for me now, then the government owes me three thousand dollars. Wow! And so three thousand dollars is a, a lot. Of that's money. a lot of money at stake, and also like acceptance. Yeah. So the government is rejecting you right now. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I care more about the money than the acceptance. But, but still, okay. So there's this is a real mystery, and. I feel like this ties into two of my biggest fears around taxes, which are how do you ever know if you're doing it right or if someone else who's helping you is doing it right? And what if there's all this money out there that's yours that you're never going to get? Also, what are the ramifications? Like, will something if I never get my money, can I do anything about it? Like, I feel very helpless right now. Yeah, this is a way I think that a lot of people feel when they deal with taxes. Actually, according to a report from the office of Senator Elizabeth Warren, the average taxpayer is going to spend 13 hours preparing and filing their return, and they'll pay about $200 for tax preparation services, which actually equals almost 10% of what the average federal tax refund is. Yeah, and why does it have to be that way, especially when they're shady sometimes? Yeah, it seems like they, <laughs> the government gets real mad when you don't pay them. But uh, it's a lot harder for you to get mad at them when they don't pay you. So I read this report from the investigative nonprofit ProPublica, and they talk about how in countries like Denmark and Spain, they actually have something called a government prepared return. Okay. And so what happens is the government estimates your taxes using info that your employer and your bank have already sent in. And if that was a thing in America, millions of taxpayers could use it and it would actually save billions of dollars collectively. Wow. So why don't we have a system like that? So according to that same ProPublica report, it actually might have something to do with the companies behind popular consumer tax software like Intuit, the makers of TurboTax. Hmm. Intuit actually spent $11.5 million on federal lobbying between 2008 and 2013. That was more than Apple or Amazon paid in that same period. Wow. And Intuit's disclosures about their lobbying noted that the company specifically opposes IRS government tax preparation. Okay, so it sounds like we're not going to get to the bottom of making America's taxes simpler and easier to pay because there's some people who really don't want that to happen. Um, But it also feels like maybe we're not going to get to the bottom of your own personal tax mystery in this episode either, which I really want to know what's going to happen. I want to get you that money. (laughs) I will come back with a full report and hopefully not too much tape of me going person person into my phone. Yeah. Will Antonia be able to fight both robots and government bureaucracy and return with a treasure chest full of her own money? We'll find out. Okay, so for now, we're definitely still at oh no on that one. But maybe by the time we check back in with you again, we'll be at an okay. And coming up after the break, we'll talk to someone who has tons of experience helping people just like you and me navigate the world of tax prep, certified public accountant David Isaacs. He's been helping people with complex tax, estate planning, and wealth transfer challenges for over 10 years. And he's going to give us the tips we need to make filing taxes as easy as they can be. Stick around.
Joining us now is David Isaacs, Wealth Advisor and Certified Public Accountant at Trouss Solace Wealth Management here in New York City. David, thanks so much for coming in and helping us unlock the mystery of taxes. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity to talk about tax. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> favorite topic. Uh, so I, I'm curious, since you deal with a lot of different people's taxes, and I've only ever really seen my own, mm-hmm. uh, what makes you more likely or less likely to get audited? Like, do you see a tax return and go like, ooh, also, what, what is it to get audited for those who don't know? Okay, well, let's start with the first question. So what kind of things will get you audited? It's going to be the way you complete your tax return. So think of your return as like a questionnaire. And when you don't complete the questionnaire, someone's going to come back to you and say, hey, what did you do here? Why didn't you do this right? Hmm. And so that's what the IRS does. And in many ways, you have to think of the algorithm that they use to determine who gets audited as a computer program. And the computer is going to decide who gets audited for the most part. And the majority, I would say, of notices are determined by the computer. And it's because someone didn't complete the form, they didn't check the right box, they didn't fill in a number where they should have filled in a number, the information didn't match the information that the IRS got from your employer or various other sources. And that's really what drives who gets audited. What does it mean to get audited? That means that you now have an opportunity to explain yourself to the IRS. An opportunity. <laughs> wow. That's a very positive spin on it. I, I, one of the questions that people often ask is, what's more likely to get me audited than something else? And the challenge is that the IRS doesn't like it when they're lied to. And that's probably true of everyone in every situation, true. I would say. Yeah. So generally what happens with the IRS is that one of the cardinal sins is to omit income. You never want to leave anything out because you're basically lying to them. Now, you can have a conversation with them about expenses and what things are deductible. And that is a conversation that you can have. So when they send you an audit notice, or basically it's more a request for information generally, they're looking for the opportunity to find out why you think you should have this deduction because they might decide, no, you can't do this. Whereas you get to say, wait, 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 I think I should be able to take this. Antonio, have you ever been audited? No. Have you been audited? I have. Have you ever been audited, David? Personally, no. Wow. Okay. So I'm the only one of the three of us who has been audited. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Well, I was truly terrified. Mm-hmm. I got this letter in the mail that said, like, you're being audited. Mm-hmm. But then I just sent them in all of my calculations, and then they never wrote back. Right. So I, I guess it was wow. like, you did it right. How old are you? Uh, it was the second tax return I ever filed on my own. So it was my second tax return after college. You know, weirdly, I like don't believe that a young person can get audited. That sounds like an old old person concern. Well, it is really statistically unlikely, right? It depends. So it is unusual for people to get audited. However, it depends if you, as I said earlier, if they try to match what they received against what they received from other sources and it doesn't sync up. It could also be a situation where you're out of the category of the taxpayer that you've declared yourself as. So if you have a small business, let's say, they have statistics of what are typical expenses for those people in those organizations. And if you don't fall within their standard deviation, if you will, it might raise a flag. It might generate a, not- a notice or an audit, or it might not. Hmm. So it really just depends on what you did and what kind of situation you had in your second tax return. So what are the best ways to get more money back in your refund in your 20s? Well, I would say one of the things to think about is the opportunity to build a good team of advisors around yourself who can help advise you on how to structure what you can do. Because the best way to reduce your taxes is to plan ahead and understand what the issues are that could be deductible, what things aren't deductible. Do you have a choice in whether to incur an expense in December versus January? And when is that deductible? And does that make a big difference? It does, because you're a cash basis taxpayer. So your tax year is a calendar year. 
except in very unusual circumstances. And so that's why you want to make sure that if you have a significant year of income and then you're coming up to December and you have a choice of whether to invest in your business, you should maybe incur those expenses in December to offset your income from the rest of the year. Or if you think it's a low-income year and you're comfortable with your tax situation, you could defer your expense into January if you don't incur it. So having someone who is uh, an advisor or who knows more about taxes just seems like a really useful thing. But something that I was worried about, and I imagine a lot of people who listen to this probably are either getting their first accountant or don't have an accountant yet. Mm. How do you tell if someone is the real deal? Because Antonia, for example, has this whole tax mystery, Mm. which arose because she maybe didn't make the best choice of which accountant to use. Kind of a mystery where the accountant may or may not have done the right thing. So how do you tell? How do you tell? If you're looking for an accountant, if someone's the real deal. Well, personally, I haven't looked for an accountant because I am an accountant. <laughs> so I'll start with that. So you look in the mirror. Okay. Right. Exactly. I look in the mirror and decide if I like that person that day. <laughs> but where you could go is just starting off with, is this person a CPA? Because there are a lot of tax preparers out there who aren't accountants. They hmm. might be volunteers for a program called VITA, which is sponsored by the IRS. And they're very good, too. And everyone has training and the IRS has... a program to credential people, uh, but it, it's not necessarily the same as a public, a certified public accountant. But what about someone who can't afford an accountant? Well, you could use TurboTax or one of the other tax software providers. They've built platforms that are designed to ask you a series of questions to help you make a decision on your own. And you do have to pay for those, unfortunately, so you're still spending a certain amount of money. It's really hard to make a decision and tell you what's right for you without knowing more about your financial situation. Because if you're making a decent amount of money and you're a self-employed individual and you have certain types of income and expenses that are complicated, it pays to have the right advisor with you. And that's why you want to build a team of championship level advisors around yourself so that they can help you understand and plan for what's coming down the road and anticipate some of the questions and issues that might come up. We have sort of different tax situations, Mm -hmm. Antonia and I, because Antonia has a pretty standard W-2. She has a nine-to-five job, and I do a lot of freelance work as a comedian, so I'm Mm -hmm. all all over the place getting money. Mm -hmm. So I've always heard that what you should be doing is saving 30% of your income so that then when taxes come around, I'll have an account where I'll be able to cover my tax bill Um, Mm because I almost never get a refund. Okay. Does that sound right to you? Well, it depends on your level of expense. So you need to consider how much of every dollar you earn is going to be allocated to expenses. And then everything after that, I would actually say a higher number. I'd say closer to 50%. 50%? Because, 50%? Because you have to, as a self-employed individual, you have to pay your income tax. You have to pay your state and city tax if you're a city resident. You have to pay the both sides of the Social Security and Medicare taxes. And so that could very quickly add up. So 30% actually seems kind of low. Now, obviously, 50 probably is in a higher tax bracket, but I don't know how much money you make. You could be a world-class comedian for all I know, and <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. So 30 seems kind of low, but understand that you might still have to make a payment with your taxes at the end of the year. Chris, I think you should take this as a huge compliment that yes. he assumed that you should be saving 50% saving, yeah, for taxes. Both a huge compliment and a very worrying financial situation. <laughs> but, but that's good. It's, a, it's an opportunity for me to save more money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Actually, and this, to earn more money, too, yeah. to encourage yourself to earn more money. Exactly. This brings up a, an important point, which is, is there a point where you wouldn't want to earn more because you'd have to pay more in taxes? I feel like that's a question like a lot of people wonder. It's like, will this raise 
therefore not be a real raise because actually I'm going to have to pay more in taxes. Think about the taxes this way. A tax isn't a penalty that's going to take your money away from you. It's a haircut, if you will, off of the top. So for every dollar you earn, you're paying a percent of tax. So therefore, you are getting something out of it. So to not earn more money because you'd have to pay more tax really just means you're cutting your nose off to spite your face because you could have had more money. Even though you earned an extra dollar and you lost 50 cents to tax, you still have 50 cents. It's never a smart tax move to turn down more money. It depends on the situation. (laughs) Okay. But I would say for the vast majority of people, you should be driving yourself to to do better, to earn more, to build up the nest egg that you will to not only cover emergency expenses, but you want to save for retirement and you potentially want to take vacations and live a life of leisure. I mean, these are things that people generally want. I'm yeah. speaking a lot of assumptions about you right now, but those are correct assumptions. Right. I mean, most of the people I come across want those things. And so the more you have and the more you earn, the more you're in- able to do those other things. What do you think is the most common mistake people make when filing their taxes? They just don't answer the forms all correctly. or They don't even complete them in some cases. I mean, some people forget to sign the tax return if they're paper filing it. Some people might forget to put in a W-2 or a 1099, and that's an immediate error check against the IRS because the computer is going to come through and actually match it to what they received from the various providers. So that's probably the most common thing I think they do. But generally, it's not planning ahead for the expenses. Oftentimes, people think of tax as something they have to do after the year has ended, and they don't think about what they could have done before the year ended, as we said earlier, to consider whether they should take expenses now or whether they should incur them in the January or a little later if they can. It just depends on the situation. So really, it's about planning ahead for tax and not waiting until April rolls around to sit down and start thinking about what happened last year. So if, we're, if you're listening and there's like a checklist in your head of like, mm-hmm. OK, this and this and this are true, I probably should ask someone for help. What would like those a few of those boxes be for you? Right, like I'm assuming, based on my own personal experience, mm-hmm. when I when my taxes were, I get a W two, and that's it. An accountant probably wouldn't have been very useful for me. Like, you get a form, you put the form in, you're done. Probably no accountant. Mm-hmm. But what triggers the line where you're like, now I need an accountant? Do you have your own business? Okay, that's probably question number one. That's where I would start. And then it's once you start feeling a level of discomfort with your taxes where there's really a a situation or an issue that you don't feel like you know well or that you need help or guidance on, that's the kind of thing where you need to call someone and ask for assistance. And depending on, like as I said, it depends on the quality of the level of advice you get. And that's the hard thing to know until you've actually sat and you've spoken with someone. And you have to almost become a... Not an expert necessarily, but you at least need a proficiency with the material to understand if they know what they're talking about. So for someone who doesn't have, maybe who can't afford a CPA, you were saying earlier something about volunteers. Mm -hmm. Who could they potentially reach out to? So there is actually a program called the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. Uh, It's called VITA. And there are many volunteers who donate their time to helping low-income people Uh, with their taxes. Now, depending on the complexity of the return, they might not be able to do it. I don't know what the restrictions are around some of that, but there there are limitations on what they're allowed to do. There's also, I believe there's something called the low-income taxpayer clinic, which you might be able to find through some schools or other organizations that could help people of a low income. So it just depends. And I don't, again, I don't know what those qualifications are and why, how a person might go about uh, qualifying to be a part of their program. 
but they exist. And uh, I guess as a final question, what do you wish that everyone out there listening knew about taxes and accountants? What's the one thing that you as a CPA just wish everyone knew? I think it just comes down to, you know, we're, we're people too. We, we like you. We want to help you. But this period of time, I'd say from mid-March to mid-April, is probably one of the busiest times of the profession. And everyone who calls and emails wants an immediate response. But it can be very hard when you're dealing with a couple hundred different clients who all want that same thing. Um, so to be patient, I guess, would be something that would be wonderful. Very nice. Well, I have to say, I had not put a human face on accounting and uh, CPAs before I met you, and it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for making time in the craziest, busiest time of your life right now. And you actually highlighted something that I also want to highlight, actually, that could help everyone else, which is putting a face on a CPA is, is one thing, but there's also the concept of putting a face on the IRS, and that many of the notices that you're going to get are generated by a computer, but the people you call to resolve it are people. And they're sitting at a desk, they're working their job, and you're going to get much better service if you treat them with respect and kindness than uh, an angry, I hate the IRS because the IRS is a vague entity, but the person you're talking to really exists somewhere. It's hard work. I mean, taxes are this frustrating for the 13 hours average that Americans spend on them. If your life is devoted to this complicated thing, that's intense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, David Isaacs, thank you so much for your expertise and for this information. Thank you both for having me. It was a great opportunity to be here and be a part of the podcast. Thanks. All right. So we've talked about my taxes and also about doing your taxes. But what about all of our taxes in the future? When we come back, we'll find out what all of America's tax future might look like if President Donald Trump's proposed plans become a reality. Stay tuned. Okay, now it's time for our final segment, The Bottom Line, where we take a look at a story from the world of finance news and break down why you should care and how it will affect your bank balance. We've talked about my current tax situation and the best tips for working within the tax system of the present, but what about the taxes of the future? Yeah, and starting way back in his campaign in 2016, Donald Trump put out his plan for reforming America's tax system. And now, in the early months of his presidency, it's become the next priority on his administration's agenda. But what does this tax plan actually mean for regular people? Well, lucky for us, we once again have with us James Denon, payoff money man and reporter extraordinaire, to explain what might happen. James, thanks for being on the show with us again. Two episodes in a row now. Thanks for having me, guys. So you wrote about Trump's tax plan at the end of the campaign last year, right? Yes, we've done a few stories about the uh, tax plan and then because there was a new one he announced uh, revising it. So there's been there's been a lot of movement on 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 taxes. It's been a big priority there. So what exactly do we know about President Trump's tax plan? I mean, he likes to cut taxes. Uh, That's that's, you know, pretty much everyone knows that he talked about that a lot on the campaign trail. Digging into the plan, that seems very likely that most Americans would see a tax cut. Um, I think for a single person making $42,000 a year uh, would save about $1,000 a year under the plan. Wow, that's a lot of money. But who particularly would benefit from this? It's broad-based. So I think according to one analysis, pretty much everyone in the country would see their net income go up a very small amount. So if you look at all of the different tax brackets, right, so how much tax you pay is determined by how much money you make. Um, And so that's what people mean by brackets. And if you look at all of the brackets, the average pre-tax income goes up like about a percent, about eight-tenths of a percent. So it's everyone is getting a little bit richer, strictly as a result of this tax plan. And and is everyone benefiting from this then? Or 
might it actually raise taxes on anyone? Well, yeah, and and that's that's sort of the rub, exactly, is that with tax reform, right, uh, there are always winners and losers. A big ambition of Trump's tax plan is to try and make it more simple. So one of the main things he does is he reduces the number of brackets there are. Right now there are seven, and he would reduce it to three. Also, the other thing that people who want to simplify the tax code advocate for is getting rid of these things called deductions and credits. So these are sort of like the special rules that you can get, the special incentives, the special tax breaks. Uh, A lot of people think that those make the tax system overly complicated. And so Trump, uh, in an original plan, um, would would get rid of some of those deductions. The thing is, some of those deductions uh, he's proposed getting rid of, mainly the head of household's filing status um, and the personal exemption, those uh, are extremely important to families, particularly single parents. So when you file for head of household status, basically, that's something that you can declare. You can still file as an individual, but you're filing as an individual who has to provide for somebody else. So you're, you're, you're responsible for at least 50 percent of that, the household um, expenses. And that can be for like usually it's for a kid, but that can also be for uh, like if you have a parent who lives with you who's who can't work anymore. And uh, according to one analysis, uh, Lily Batchelder at NYU, um, she ran the numbers and she estimates that by getting rid of those two deductions, something like 8 million Americans could actually see their tax bill go up. You know, these uh, uh, bills aren't huge. I think um, in one analysis, a family a family of four with two kids would pay like an extra $500 a year, uh, which spread out over a whole year isn't really an extraordinary amount of money. It's still a lot of money, though. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's Christmas presents uh, for the kids. That's That's like, you know, a night out a month uh, for dinner, date night. Um, so it is, you know, it is. It has been criticized uh, because of uh, when when Trump went back to the drawing board and had to look for ways to make the tax cut less expensive. Uh, he seemed to be looking at things, tax breaks that helped smaller income people and more vulnerable people, um, as opposed to uh, some of the tax cuts that are going to the very wealthy, uh, which are still quite substantial. So none of these tax reforms have actually happened. When will we know? Well, yeah, that's that's the really interesting thing is um, Paul Ryan and Trump have both signified that uh, tax reform is going to be the main priority now. Um, they're sort of leaving health care on the side. But even that's a little bit ambiguous, right? Because there's also a lot of talk about reforming corporate taxes, which is a whole other ballpark that we haven't really even talked about. We're just talking about personal federal income tax. Um, so it's not really clear yet. Um, exactly which kind of tax reforms are going to be prioritized. We'll just have to wait until the House proposes a bill. So what's the bottom line? How is this going to affect the average person? The average person um, is going to be a little bit richer, about 1% richer. The one exception is if you've got a lot of kids, uh, you want to take a close look at your tax bill and figure out if there's anything else you can deduct because your bill might go up a little bit. So this is one of those situations where Across the board, people are probably going to have more money in their pockets afterwards as a result of this tax reform. Exactly. A little bit more money. Everyone gets a little bit richer. But if I'm understanding correctly, the risk here is that this is short-term money because programs that affect you in the long term are going to be cut as a result. Exactly. Yes. Tax cuts aren't free. There's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Um, so if, if, if And especially if, after this tax cut, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Exactly. If you go to public schools, you're going to be paying for that lunch now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, James, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, we can't wait to have you back again. That's it for this episode. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music is from Breakmaster Cylinder, and our producer is Alan Haberchak. Thank you, Alan. And thanks, everyone, so much for listening. 
If you want to help us out, you can do that by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and a review for the payoff. Seriously, you have no idea how much that helps. Plus, we love to know what you think. Also, if you have any ideas for what we should talk about next, email us at payoffpod at mike.com. Also, you can find out more about us on Twitter at the Payoff by Mike or online at mike.com slash payoff. See you next time.